Friday, June 28th at Hungry Brain in Chicago. It's our Pride Show and podcast recording. Music, drag, interview, comedy, panel, and Q&A. Sponsored by Rowan Tree Counseling. Get your tickets at wildandsublime.com or go to links in the show notes. And if you look at a lot of, well, some fantasy stuff, like you look at a lot of porn, some of it does seem hot, but then in real life, like, I want whoever's delivering me my pizza to actually give me my pizza. Welcome to Wild and Sublime, a sexy spin on infotainment, no matter your preferences, orientation, or relationship style. Based on the popular live Chicago show, each week I'll chat about sex and relationships with citizens from the world of sex positivity. You'll hear meaningful conversation, dialogues that go deeper, and information that can help you become more free in your sexual expression. I'm sex educator Karen Yates. This week, our panel gives one listener tips about moving desire into action. Keep listening. Well, I must say, recent Q&A sessions in our Afterglow membership site on Patreon have been outstanding. Chats about how to deal with overly flirtatious partners, age discrepancy in relationships, how to dom correctly, deep existential conversations about what to do if you're starting to date again, but the pandemic has changed everything? One of these months, those fantastic dialogues with sexperts, therapists, writers, and more might make it to the podcast. But wouldn't you rather listen to them now? For as little as $5 a month, you get a monthly panel conversation where you, the Afterglow subscriber, can ask the questions. For $10 a month, you can join in live. Add in my audio creator notes for each episode and more, and you've got some nice benefits. Plus, you would be helping us tremendously with the weekly expenses of bringing this podcast to you, a glorious sex-positive listener. If commitment is not your thing, if you like your sexy quick and easy, you can also throw some bucks into the shiny tip jar, which is located in the show notes along with the link to Patreon. I thank you. And speaking of Patreon listeners, way back in March, we got a great question about how to make a fantasy an IRL experience, which, if you can manage it, can be quite satisfying, as well as a confidence booster, because you took something out of the recesses of your mind and made it happen for yourself. And maybe, as you've contemplated your sexual existence these past number of months, a lot has gotten stored up in those recesses. You'll be hearing from recurring guests today, Matthew Amador, psychotherapist for Love, Sex, and Gender Rebels, somatic psychotherapist Elmo Painter, and psychotherapist and intimacy coach Brandon Hunter Hayden. Enjoy. For Matthew... When and how do you move a fantasy into real life? I have something kinky I want to do. Have a fuck buddy, but they are probably not the person to do it with. It feels like I'm 10 miles from where I want to get to, and it's 4 a.m. and I don't have any money. Signed, hashtag, my feet hurt. (laughs) Damn, okay. Well, if you're 10 miles from where you want to go to, and it's 4 a.m. and you have no money, you might be near a gas station or a rest spot so chances are you're there you're golden you're ready to make some of these fantasies kind of happen seriously okay so when to bring it into life you know there may never ever actually be a perfect time so i'm a big fan of just kind of locating where you're at within this scenario 
like just making sure the kitchen is in good shape before you're going to start cooking. Because a lot of times we start thinking about well, a lot of things in life, but especially fantasies. Sometimes we can round up like it's safe enough or it's good enough. And sometimes that can be good. And sometimes that mm, we might round up a little too much. So I, I'm always curious about where people are in the moment. And that can go everything from something that's more just tangible, like a physical sense of, of rounding up that something's good enough and like an emotional place of rounding up. Like the physical, okay, you got all the accoutrement, you got what you need going on, make sure you have that. Because it's a big difference. Like if I'm on vacation and I forget sunglasses, like I can go buy some sunglasses. But like if I'm tied up and there's like a toy, but there's no lubrication or if there's like a ball gag, if there's something that's kind of like restricting my ability to speak and I haven't actually created a safe word or a nonverbal safe word. These are things that it's not good to round up then. These are things that we actually kind of needed. We kind of needed before we actually got, got things going on. So I'd be curious about that. I'd also be curious. So if you have that, like the physical stuff taken care of, just make sure it's there. And I guess that might even include like, okay, Am I cool with understanding any legal ramifications? Is everything legal? Everyone that might be involved, can they give consent? Is consent cool? Awesome. Then I would kind of just look in to see where they are emotionally in the moment. Like, are they nervous about it? Which is totally normal. Are they shameful about it still? And going into it with some shame? Because this can totally influence, well, who they're going to ask and if they're going to have a good time. Like, I'm kind of curious. They said, like, they have a fuck buddy, but they may not want to ask if they want to do this. And that kind of makes me curious. Have they said they're not into it? Or are they not that type? Or are you kind of concerned that they're going to pass judgment on this? Would you rather have, like, a safe sandbox? You can go play in over here. And then if you like it, then you can kind of bring it back and see if it ports over into this relationship. So that's what I'd be curious about. Kind of just where they are, physically and internally. Mm, Brandon or Elmo? I think what comes up for me is that just keep in mind that there's a difference between a fantasy and desire. You're allowed to have both, right? But a fantasy is something that turns you on, that carries some energy, has some some zhuzh, some crackle inside you, and that lives in you, and that is yours, right? There's absolutely no judgment or shame. I don't care what it is. If it's something that's a part of your internal world, then that, that's a manifestation of some of your energy, right? Your erotic energy or something in the world. And a desire is something that you really want to act out, and that there's different gradients for actually integrating that. These are just a few examples. Some ways that people might tear this in a dynamic is to first bring it up and just bring it up as a fantasy. This is something that I think about sometimes that I get excitement or pleasure from. I'm not saying, I'm not even saying yet that I want to do it. I'm not saying, I'm not saying I want to do it with you necessarily, but just hear this out loud. That alone is kind of a vulnerable and sometimes really hot thing to do just to voice a fantasy that you have and have that witnessed by someone and not only to not be judged maybe that person thinks it's hot doesn't mean that they necessarily want to do it but to have somebody be like yeah that's that's got some spice you know that can be really gratifying in its own way then you can take it on so many different levels sometimes people like to narrate their fantasies while doing mutual masturbation or narrate their fantasies or even take play with a little bit of maybe some other role of, of whatever they have in that fantasy or describing the scenario, describing sensations while having vanilla sex. And that like totally keys up their vanilla sex. And so th there's different ways of bringing it in, maybe working with what already works, working with what you have that has a lot of carrying power in the dynamic, but finding a way to thread it in a little bit. So those are just some ideas of maybe bringing it into some current dynamics. Fantastic. Elmo. I think the only element that I would add is I'm wondering if this person is looking for the right person to do this with. I don't know if that's what I, I kind of got from yeah. the question. So the only thing I would add is whatever fantasy you have, there are thousands of other people who have similar fantasies. So 
you can, you know, go on FetLife or you can look up classes in your area. That can be a really good way to meet people with similar interests. There are munches, kinky socials. It'll take some Googling on your part, but finding those communities that have shared interests, it's out there. I mean, there's a community for everything. And I'm going to piggyback and just add on that there are some things that, you know, maybe won't be amazing as you fantasize about it the first time you do it. So I hope this person has some compassion for themselves uh, too, if they're interested in it, maybe try it again if it doesn't completely hit a home run for them. Also, just because it doesn't hit a home run for them doesn't mean it still can't live on in fantasy. Mm. Some things are amazing in fantasy and may not translate into the real world. I mean, there are plenty of things that they're great in theory, but may not translate into real. Communism isn't always great when you try to translate it into real life. There are lots of books I can think about that don't translate very well when people try to make them into movies. Like some things just may not translate. And if you look at a lot of, well, some fantasy stuff, like you look at a lot of porn, some of it does seem hot, but then in real life, like I want whoever's delivering me my pizza to actually give me my pizza. If my doctor tried to manhandle me, I would be, no, I'm I'm actually here for something else and I gotta go. So some things are, they live in certain places and again, may not translate over one-to-one. Excellent sage advice, Matthew Amador. Matthew, I love what you just said about books translating to movies. I'm putting that in my pocket and keeping that forever with fantasies and reality. That's just perfect. Actually, I'm loving the, sometimes you just want the pizza. (laughs) Sometimes you just want the pizza. (laughs) Give me my pizza. I want pizza and ranch dressing. That's just what I want. (laughs) This is my sex today is pizza and ranch dressing. (laughs) This pizza is my sex. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. I'm glad that that resonated. That makes me feel very warm inside. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Let's see. Got a chat coming up here. A couple of times, this is from our Afterglow participant, a couple of times the idea of shame has come up. Anything in particular to address that for someone? How does one address shame? A really big antidote to shame is self-compassion and also universality. So finding other people who have experienced what you've experienced finding other people who, or even just thinking and connecting, even mentally thinking about other people who might be going through what you're going through. Those things can really help alleviate shame and increase self-compassion. Wonderful. Agreed. Compassion is amazing antidote for shame because then sometimes we feel shameful about feeling shameful. Like, oh, shouldn't I be there already? Shouldn't I just already be over this stuff? It's been, how old am I? I should know better by now. And no, No, then you're just creating like a Mobius strip, like the snake that eats its own tail type of thing. And having some kind of compassion for yourself being like, okay, well, this is where I am right now. This is where I am. That's step one. Brandon. Yeah. Just to rip off of that, I think there's a piece of just remembering that shame is an experience and it's not, it's not an identity. It's not who you are. I think noticing the shame for what it is as it occurs, that shame is an experience that one might be having in the moment and like all moments cannot last forever. It cannot sustain itself indefinitely. And not to say that people can't struggle with it in a chronic way. Certainly, I think a lot of us do. But shame also rarely survives excoriation. By that, I mean bringing it out into the light to riff again off of some of the mutuality and the universality, finding kinship in other people. But also, I think to really take up your own shame with vulnerability and courage, which is essentially what happens when we share it, right? There's vulnerability, but it's really courage underneath it, I think. And to present that shame, to share it with another, starting with yourself, even just saying it out loud when you're feeling shame in the moment, 
but to be able to express that shame with someone else while modeling perhaps your own self-compassion can be really powerful. Create distance between yourself and the experience of shame because it is not you, you are not it. It is a relationship you're having with something. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's tethered to you, you know, so it feels like it's us, but it's not. Yes. But it is. It's like a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. Like we feel it, it is not us, but we're a part of it. It's a conundrum to untangle. How long have we been carrying shame? And how long have we been carrying shame in our lives? How long has that not been all tied up inside ourselves? I would hope that everyone would understand that there should be compassion for knots that we've been carrying around for decades. A quick hack that I sometimes employ is I think to myself, which I heard years ago, is someone somewhere has experienced the same thing I'm experiencing right now. And, and that gives me comfort because I'm, I'm actually telling myself I'm not alone in this. This is not so crazy and unusual what I'm experiencing. Somebody has experienced it, this feeling state. It's like me with grunge music in the 90s. <laughs> Wait, somebody else is this sad. <laughs> but also but like a little aggro about it. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note. Thank you again, Brandon Hunter Hayden, Matthew Amador, and Elmo Painter. For more info on Matthew, Elmo, and Brandon, go to our show notes. Wild and Sublime is also sponsored in part by our Sublime supporter, Chicago-based Full Color Life Therapy. Therapy for all of you at fullcolorlifetherapy.com. If you would like to be a Sublime supporter, showcasing you and your business and supporting us at the same time, contact us at info at wildandsublime.com. If you've been feeling stuck recently and want to try a new approach, working with me and the biofield tuning method may be for you. Biofield tuning uses frequency to help repattern your bioelectric field and can support you in new ways of approaching issues and generally help you feel better. You can work with me in person in Chicago or remotely from any area of the world, or attend my regular group biofield tuning sessions on Zoom on a variety of topics. For more information, go to karen-yates.com. That link is in the show notes. Well, that's it, folks. Have a very pleasurable week. Next week, Group Sex. Our panel discusses in a no-holds-barred conversation. Thank you for listening. If you know someone who might be interested in this episode, send it to them. Do you like what you heard? Then give us a nice review on your podcast app. You can follow us on social media at Wild and Sublime and sign up for newsletters at wildandsublime.com. I'd like to thank associate producer Julia Williams and design guru Jean-Francois Gervais. Theme music by David Ben Porat. This episode was edited by the Creative Imposter Studios. Our media sponsor is Rebellious Magazine, Feminist Media, at rebelliousmagazine.com. Thank you.